Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by Inside Texas's X and O's expert, Ian Boyd. Uh, Ian writes uh, uh, the the X and O's breakdown for the Longhorns each and every week. Uh, he also uh, uh, previews the opponents uh, for the weeks to come and tells us what kind of offenses and defenses they run uh, as we get forward, uh, as we look forward into uh, this season, only uh, really eight days away now uh, from the Longhorns playing uh, against ULM. That game starts at seven o'clock at night uh, in DKR eight days away. All right, uh, Ian, you wrote an article uh, this week about the defense and how you think it's changing. Um, I, I wanted to, uh, you know, ask you a couple of questions surrounding that because you really focused on the coverage aspects that you saw in the open practice. Describe to people what you're really talking about there and what fundamentally is changing. Yeah, I think fundamentally there's not in the, in the grand scheme of things, the changes are a little more subtle maybe than people might've expected. They are playing more, pure man coverage, like one safety drops deep and everybody else is in man. They didn't use that as much last year. Um, probably they didn't feel great about how they matched up against teams last year to try to pull that off. This year they have Jedi Barron or Jalen Gilbo in the slot. <clears throat> the slot receiver is usually a very dangerous receiver in a spread offense that you see around the Big 12. So you can't just put anybody out there and play man coverage and not get you know destroyed. So um, they did do that. They can play more man, pure, straightforward, simple man coverage. I think we'll see more of that this year. So that's a fairly significant change. Does but, that is that in combination with possibly rolling up the corners and playing a little bit more bump and run at the, at the line of scrimmage compared to what they did a year ago? Yeah, when, they, when they're in man, it seems like they're willing to play pretty tight with the cornerbacks. Um, the base coverage, though, is still – quarters still still two deep safeties um they are playing more aggressive brands of quarters than they did last year they played some of the aggressive brands of quarters last year especially i think as the season progressed a lot of times you know people saw the corners playing off to avoid getting beat over the top and uh, they also they didn't play quarters very well last year even though it was the main base coverage it's a it's a complicated pattern matching system. Everybody's got to know, I cover this guy if this happens, but I cover this guy if this happens. You know, you have you have quick rules that you got to follow very, uh, you know, in live time. And uh, they were running a lot of quarters in the open practice and a few different versions. So I do think that they are in those two high schemes. They are going to meet Sark's <clears throat> mandate for playing tighter coverage, but a lot of it is still from more of the uh, two high systems that uh, that they ran last year. When when you look at that, and I'm I'm trying to go back over it. Um, a year ago, Anthony Cook was in the slot. He's moving to safety. He's probably not as good a one on one cover guy as Jade Barron. Bottom line, right? Yeah. Um, and then you look at at the other guys that we're talking about here: Jalen Gilbo, the second team at that slot position or star position really is the defensive term uh, that we're using. Ryan Watts is taking the place essentially of Josh Thompson, very similar guys in some ways, uh, but uh, Watts probably more physical at the line of scrimmage. Um, Steve Sarkeesian said that he wanted to disrupt routes there, right? Is that, 
is, is that the idea um, in this kind of scheme that you're discussing is that they're going to try to disrupt more off the line and get rid of the two and three step drop quick, quick balls that so many people in the big 12 use. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Yeah, and last year they were really not very good at that, right? And Sark has said as much, you know, that they were giving away things, um, not just at the corner level, at the linebacker level as well. So as a whole defense, they were prone to letting guys get into what they wanted, and they were often really bad at taking away the first read of the quarterback, which is, you know, you're not going to get anywhere as a defense if the quarterback can drop back and first read. That's what I want, throw the ball. Um, they have another change probably worth mentioning is that uh, last year they played the corners left and right, and they played Josh Thompson as the left corner, which is where you put your more dominant guy, your better guy. Um, now they are playing field and boundary. So one corner will stay to the short side of the field, and the other corner will stay to the wider side of the field. And playing um, Ryan Watts to the short side of the field, so it's always a shorter throw. So they want to play it tighter, and he's using his length. He's, you know, what is he, 6'2", 6'3". They want him to use his length to keep uh, quarterbacks from having just that immediate outside receiver that's in close range to rifle on a pass to. They want to disrupt the timing there. They want to throw it off with jams at the line of scrimmage. Um, I think multiple of their coverages will involve Ryan Watts jamming receivers. And I think they'll also play some – old school cover two with him as well, where he jams and then maybe he's a, a run support guy. So it all the, a lot of these things are present last year, but we're going to see, you know, more and better because it's year two and they've had more time to get it all down and they've been able to uh, retool the roster to, uh, to better hit what they're aiming at. Um, Ian, speaking with Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com, uh, Ian, Here's the, the next question for me. Where does Gary Patterson come in with this secondary? Is this reminiscent of anything he did at TCU? A lot of the quarter stuff that they are majoring in was, you know, what TCU is all about. Um, now, Terry Joseph also ran this stuff in his background. And Blake Gideon as well ran versions of quarters. So for all these guys, they're more familiar with basing out of these two high coverages than um, – something like what Kwiatkowski did at Washington. Um, but um, they are running a lot of the, um, they're running a lot of types of quarters that like Gary Patterson would do at TCU where the safeties may line up deep initially, perhaps deeper than Texas fans want to see after last year, but they will play flat footed. So they're not backpedaling. They may be like 12 yards deep. And this is how TCU did it. So don't everyone freak out if you're a fan of TCU's defense, they did it this way and it works. They might line up deep, but they stay flat-footed. And then they have an expression in in TCU world that was, don't go until you know. And so the idea was you stay stay flat, and then when you know what's happening, you're running to where the ball's going to be. And um, if you get it right, your safeties can be 
they can arrive and run support pretty quick from how deep they are, uh, or they can, you know, disrupt passes over the middle. Um, sometimes they can make plays on deep balls as well. It just depends on their skill set and how well they're recognizing things. So it's a coverage that it looks conservative before the snap, but it can end up playing out very, very aggressively. And uh, that's what Gary Patterson majored in, and that's definitely the predominant style that they were playing in the open practice and in the spring game. Gotcha. Um, question for you. It, the, the I remember last year when you and I were talking, you talked about the Oklahoma State safeties playing flat-footed um, and to, to support the run. Is that is this in any way similar to the Oklahoma style state Oklahoma State style of defense that they played a, a year ago? Yeah, in some ways, um, they they lined up pretty shallow too. I think uh, you know once the Oklahoma lined up really shallow and teams realized you could sort of get away with it against Texas, especially after Thompson hit his hurt his thumb. So then they were playing you know flat footed and aggressive at like eight yards deep. It was brutal for Texas to deal with. Um, they will not – I don't expect to see that from Texas, but it is definitely a similar style. You're positioning your safeties to be very involved. Um, we hear good things about how Anthony Cook and Jaron Thompson are playing in the system. It's when they get bigger, stronger, faster guys like Brian, uh, Brian Allen and Keaton Crawford immersed enough in the system to be able to play fast, you're really going to see it. Interesting. Um, uh, Ian, one of the things that Steve Sarkeesian mentioned uh, recently was the level of communication in the secondary, in his opinion, has improved vastly year over year. Um, it, it, it looks like Jaron Thompson is kind of the field general back there. Um, how important is communication back there to, to get the desired result from what they want? It's essential on probably like three different levels. First of all, one of the benefits of running two high safety quarter coverages is that you can run a different type of coverage to either side of the field. So like if to this side, you want to focus on this receiver. So you play a specific coverage. that's maybe more conservative, maybe to the other side of the field, you're not really worried about those guys. You play a more aggressive style. that can free somebody up to play the run, but you got to be able to communicate all those things and know which ones to call in the right moments on the field. And if the players are not communicating to that to each other before the snap, then you're you're not going to get the, the full benefit of it. Secondly, in these pattern matching coverages where everybody has rules that are like, if this, then I cover this guy. If this, then I look for this. A lot of times those need to be yelled out live during the play. Like guys will have a call. Like they need to, if, if a corner sees a guy, that his guy's just running shallow underneath he might need to communicate something to the linebackers in the game, in the moment, so that they know to look for it. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of different rules like that in modern pattern matching coverages, but it only works if guys are communicating their jobs before the snaps. So everybody knows what the specific coverage and leverages are. And then if they're communicating during the play so that everybody is picking up for each other. And uh, that's when you get the really nasty varieties of quarters where Receivers are being traded off. There's no windows. There's nowhere to throw the ball. Interesting. Um, it sounds like a smarter type of defense that the Horns are hoping to put on the field. Um, but when you were talking just a minute ago about how teams might focus one air, one side of the field in a certain type of coverage for one receiver and then 
uh, totally different on the other side. I couldn't help but think of Texas in the second half of last year when Jordan Whittington went down and it was, I, it was Xavier Worthy on one side of the field and, you know, eh, whoever on the other side. And, it, and yeah. it, that sounds like a little bit about what you're talking about, the ability to do that. Um, I want to move forward now. Thanks for, thanks for talking about the defense there. Uh, and I think people appreciate that. I mean, I know I learned something uh, every time I talk to you about stuff like this. Um, a week ago uh, today, uh, Steve Sarkeesian named Quinn Ewers the starter. Okay. You followed Quinn since high school. So have I. Bunch of stuff. Uh, also followed Hudson Card since high school. Um, in the moment, you thought that uh, the reason for Sark's uh, decision likely would be because Quinn could make more throws than Hudson and more different throws than Hudson. Um, well, Sark came out, and you said that last Friday. Well, Sark came out on this month, this past Monday, um, and said it's because Quinn can make all the throws, among other things. Uh, he, he had a couple other comments, but um, in in retrospect, now that you're a week into this, um, anything else you you think that that uh, this helps Texas as an offense uh, with Quinn Ewers? I mean, we all think of it as a downfield accuracy type offense, but is there anything else that Quinn you think brings? Yeah, I, obviously the, the dominant thing is what we discussed, which is that he's a really good at executing. Um, somebody, somebody on the board called it like set pieces, set shots where it's like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to, everyone's going to be protecting except these two guys. And we just need somebody that can rifle the ball a mile down the field to worthy. But if we can do that, it's going to make it really hard to gang up on Bijan. Um, I thought Card had shown improvement there, but you were, you know, incomparable talent in terms of executing that kind of deal. Um, but another area, yeah, that would be different than what we discussed previously is that I suspect that viewers has a little bit of third down make a play ability that we're hearing about. Um, Card is a great scrambler. Card can throw really well on the run. But Ewers can get some crazy throws off from weird angles. You know, what, something that he did at South Lake Carroll sometimes that some people saw it as a negative. Um, you could probably argue either way about it, but he would sometimes hit downfield shots while backpedaling. Um, I think probably that's not something that you would teach to players. If somebody can do it, it has obvious, <laughs> obvious value because sometimes people are running at you and – it's nice to not concede the deep throws and, and just give them away. Um, and he's also probably more mobile than some people realize because he played with some really nasty injuries. I, I believe Jerry had a piece with some quotes from Riley Dodge, his high school coach at South Lake Carroll, talking about how he had like a, a hernia his junior year and uh, was playing through it and playing kind of kind of beat up in the playoffs and was less mobile. So he can kind of move around. He can throw the ball from different arm angles. You definitely wonder if Sark is like, you know, we have this young offensive line. Our quarterback is going to get chased around by Will Anderson and probably some big 12 guys too. Might be nice if we have a guy that can, you know, the play looks dead. And then all of a sudden he's sidearming at 60 yards down the field, Xavier Worthy, and they're playing Texas fight. Maybe, you know, maybe that was part of the decision as well. Yeah. I, I think that uh, to your point, Ian, um, I think that's part of it uh, because he does make more off-platform 
throws a uh, little bit more of the, he seems a little bit more of that riverboat gambler type, right? Where he's yeah. willing to, to try to fit stuff into tight windows knowingly, not, not just, you know, not just a, a bad read throwing it into tight coverage, but trying to trust his arm a little bit more maybe. Um, but, but the other piece that, that I find somewhat interesting about yours uh, is he's so young, right? He's, he's really truly supposed to be only a, a true freshman. You get him in more third down situations now early in the season. And you think maybe he gets better as the season goes on, right? Um, Hudson Card uh, may have done that a little bit last year, but I didn't really see much of it, even when he had extended uh, time. Um, but maybe Ewers does keep the drives alive a little bit better than Card, even though Card uh, probably a better scrambler. But I don't know if he's a better functional scrambler on the college level. Um, so um, I'm, I'm interested to see how uh, Quinn Ewers moves the chains as much as I am, how many points he puts on the board with deep balls. I mean, that I think ultimately those are going to be two things that we look for starting out with Louisiana Monroe in eight days. Yeah, I think that'll be a really good early sign is – Presumably they'll get into third down against ULM a couple times at least, right? This happens. And just to see what they call and how he executes it and what he looks like, that'll be probably a solid bellwether for the season. Although I mean, I mean, I don't know how I'm gonna I don't know how much they're gonna have in the game plan because they're gonna want to hold back as much as they can before they play Alabama, but we'll see something. Probably also relevant here, um, at South Lake Carroll. A lot of times when teams would pressure them, the Dragons, the Queen Year's team, um, he would try to beat pressure by throwing it deep. Normally, like, it's like pressure, you're throwing it hot. And the quarterback's hot routes are generally like, you know, the running back running to the flat. A receiver breaks off his route and just runs a quick slant. So just quarterback has something to get the ball out. It's not like Carroll a lot of times would be like, when you get pressured, you're throwing the fade to – you know, Sampson or Boyd or some of the other receivers they had. Um, we probably got him in a little bit of trouble against Westlake in the championship, but pretty brutal overall if the quarterback can pull that off. That, that'll that be something else to watch is how they handle pressure and his two-year to, to riverboat gambler comparison. Does he just end up just trying to, you know, if you pressure me, I'm going to really make you pay. I, I'm, I'm really curious to see that dynamic. Yeah. Um, all right. That's a that's a good conversation, Ian. I think people have a couple of things. The the defense, uh, people have asked us, uh, you know, how is Gary Patterson going to impact the defense? We're not sure that this was his idea or someone else's idea, but it, it looks like it's it's he's it's in there and in the game plan and they're working on it. It's, um, whether I, that came from. Go ahead. Let me let me say two things on that. One, they're doing stuff that he's familiar with. So he's a useful oversight for sure, more so than if they were running something else, right? The secondly, God forbid for Pete Kwiatkowski, if Gary Patterson had to take this defense over in the future, it'll be something that is familiar to him. I, that becomes, I think, a lot more feasible than if they were running like something closer to what they ran at Washington. Yeah, interesting. Okay, or, and then file uh, that away, you know. Yeah, no, I think I think that it, people. I mean, look, I mean, Texas has been had issues the last ten years. I mean, and we've seen 
coordinator changes in season before. So I don't think anybody hopes for that. Right. And I, and I don't really expect it this season, but it's not improbable or, and definitely not impossible. Um, but uh, anyways, all right. Uh, and then we talked about Quinn years a little bit about what he's got uh, maybe a little bit more uh, on the, a little bit more uh, runway in front of him as a quarterback, uh, particularly possibly on third down, I think, as opposed to Hudson card, but uh, we shall see. All right. For Ian Boyd, uh, I am Bobby Burton. This that's been this episode of on Texas football. Please join us each and every day uh, at insidetexas.com where you can read Ian, myself, Jerry Hamilton, Eric Nolene, Justin Wells, Joe cook. Uh, and uh, later today, in fact, we expect, uh, we, we think we might hear from Quinn Ewers, uh, or uh, at least one other player, uh, and we'll, we will try to have a report about that as well. Uh, for Ian, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for watching.